Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. It's episode 353 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Max Rear of Black Matter about the World War II soldier sim, Hell Let Loose. We don't often cover soldier sims in this show. In fact, this might be one of the first. And Hell Let Loose is quite a thing. The one thing that really struck me more about this game above everything else, was the incredible sound design. It's terrifying. It really gives you a sense of absolute dread every step you take towards wherever you're trying to get to. It is a massive skirmish game, set both sides of the Second World War, and yeah, it's really, really intense, and... The onboarding process is not not easy. It's quite a steep curve. They've done a lot to actually flatten it, but still, it's quite a quite a thing to actually get to grips with from the outset. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not for a game like this. It's. I mean, what's most incredible about it is that people can actually take on certain key roles that aren't sort of nebulous and sort of. Um, difficult to define. There are commanders, there's there's engineers that actually create installations, there's control points that have to be maintained and and supported and repaired and all this sort of stuff. It's really impressive, really impressive work what they've done with with the extraordinary game that is Hell Let Loose and it's a great interview as well. Of course it is! All these are great interviews and Max is a fantastic guest. So you want to hear him talk, don't you, rather than me do this other rambling introduction. For that, I apologise, but never mind. Chris, from the past, if you'd be so very kind. Max! Hello. Hello. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, who are you, sir, and what do you do? Well, that's a good question. I am I'm Max Rea, uh, and... I am the studio head at um, a small development studio called Black Matter, um, and we make the large-scale, hardcore, teamwork-oriented, first-person shooter game, Hell Let Loose. You Um, do indeed, and we're going to delve very deeply into this extraordinary experience, which it is. Um, uh, But before we do that, we're going to find out a little bit more about you, sir. Sure. So how did you make a start making video games? Well, yeah, I'm I'm kind of um, whenever I speak to to friends who have young children, often young male children who are obsessed with video games, I'm always the story they don't really want to tell because <laughs> um, I've kind of somehow managed to to find myself in the job that I wished I had when I was twelve. Um, and it's not, I think it's probably quite a, a, a rare or unusual path in, but certainly look, it's, it's rare in the context of lots of different jobs, but I don't think it's very rare in terms of, um, the video games industry. I mean, basically what happened is I was working in, in the film industry, um, in visual effects. I was sort of managing a visual effects team, um, or teams on on different films and television shows. And, um, Throughout the course of my life, I'd always 
um, been extremely interested in games, not just playing them, obviously playing them a huge, huge amount, but um, also in sort of how they were made and the logic behind them and the thinking that went into them and that sort of thing. Um, and I also had a, a real fervent love of history uh, that was kind of given to me by my dad. Uh, and it was a way that we kind of connected um, Age of Empires, learning about all the kind of historical stories and that. Um, and so I had these kind of two things, these 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 two passions, um, video games and sort of um, game design, if you like, mixed with um, history and particularly at World War II. Um, you know, in the, in the 90s and the noughties when I was sort of uh, in my adolescence, um, we had a massive uh, wave of World War II um, sort of revisitation and fascination. And I think that kind of coincided at the same time, um, you know, to maybe, you know, chicken and egg probably stoked on my passion for it. And then my passion for it meant that I engaged with all of this media, all these films and all these books and different things like that. Um, and so all of that combined while I was working this other job, um, there was this particular game that I wanted to make, uh, a World War II game, a large scale game um, that sort of had a greater emphasis on teamwork um, that was very, very hardcore. And it kind of would pose the question of, could we kind of recreate a sandbox where we give people more or less the same tools they had on the day or in the conflict? Um, and exactly how would that look, um, both from a competitive aspect, i.e. one team wanting to beat another team, one force wanting to triumph over another force? Um, and so essentially we pitched this kind of idea uh, to... Um, first to a, a couple of, um, I suppose, uh, really uh, big voices within the, the tactical hardcore shooter uh, subgenre, um, and they liked the sound of it, and they really uh, helped promote our Kickstarter, which we did. Um, and so really right from the start, we were kind of a crowdfunded effort uh, to um, bring this kind of hardcore teamwork-oriented World War II experience um, to, to sort of the game, uh, the games community, um, and so went from really no understanding of, of games to kind of working on it as a hobby, as a second job. Um, when Unreal Engine became free, that was a real, real um, kick up the backside to kind of get underway. And then we we kind of got together something that you could actually play. Myself and and my two colleagues, who are uh, my partners in the business to this day. Um, and from there we've sort of, it's been a bit of a mountain climbing, um, expedition, you know, building a very first product, then figuring out all the things we did wrong, adjust as we pitch it to Kickstarter, technically reworking the game. We eventually signed with team 17. And so it's just kind of, it's been a, an, a wonderful uphill journey, but definitely not without its, um, fair share of, uh, learning, let's just say. So that's so, a bit of a long-winded answer there, Chris. No, no, no. We get a lot of guests on that have come from the film industry, music um, and film industry, for, for obvious reasons. They're both mediums of sport. A, a portion of them is, 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 uh, is uh, visual. Not all video games are visual. What? Trust me, it's, it's a whole subject in all of itself. But there are sound-only video games. They're very good. And there's also uh, Johann Sebastian Joust, lest, lest we forget yes. that extraordinary yes. game. So, yes. just to be clear, yes. so let's not do that. But vast majority do enjoy the visual arts, although you could argue, hang on, film has a massive uh, sound thing. So we could go on and on. But basically, there's lots of crossover between the two. The major difference being is that, of course, is interaction. Uh, and that's really the biggest. I mean, again, that's a sweeping generalization. We could, but... And it's really... I think, no, I think it's accurate. I think that yeah. you're, you're exactly right. There's so much crossover. I would yeah. say video game has different strengths as an art form and different yeah. weaknesses as, as, the, yeah. as the film industry. And it brings a lot of a lot of the different strands from the different mediums all together. You've got literature, you've got, of course, music and sound. Music, sorry, principally. Then we have script mm. writing and, and you know, narrative, for the most part, unless you're playing threes. Oh, no, no. That's got narrative. Anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, and it doesn't surprise me that a lot of uh, are drifting from that industry to the other. And there's also sometimes vice versa. It doesn't usually happen, but it can happen. Mm. Um, but um, so kind of 
answers my next question, which is mm. what you believe you are influenced most by in your creative endeavours. Um. Look, it's a funny one to say because Hell Let Loose is obviously, uh, you know, our first title and definitely, you know, it's it's when you think of our studio, if you think of us at all, but um, it's obviously for, for, for Hell Let Loose. I think um, – and Hell Let Loose, if we step back from it, it, it is um, in some part kind of a love letter of all of uh, us developers um, to World War Two in so much as uh, memorializing it, um, trying to capture it in some way, shape or form. Um, and obviously World War II is, a, 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 you know, an historical event, um, you know, as our community love to point out, if ever, you know, we get a screw wrong or a gun doesn't work a particular proper way or whatever, you know, it's, it, we have a very strong sense of, of of the facts of this um, of this conflict, or as, as close as we can get, anyway. Um, but the thing that I think motivates me personally um, for Hell at Loose, obviously, a lot of it was the connection to the history. But more broadly, I think it's about systems and um, systems and psychology and um, this all wrapped up in this art form. You have to make these systems work. You have to make them as beautiful as you can, whether that's really gross or really, um, sleek or whatever, but as definitely as visually appealing as possible for whatever you're going with. Um, and, and like you've said, I think it is that absolute combination of, um, of lots of different art forms all working together. You can't be good at just one. I mean, in the film industry, obviously, as we've said, you have audio design, you've got sound, you know, you've got composition. Now you have cinematography and there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into capturing the right image on the day. And we've got visual, visual effects as well. But there's this sort of extra layer um, in video games where kind of, you know, it goes a little bit further on the interaction side. Um, and there's so much to the logic of it. And, and you can't, in the same way that a director would tell actors what to do, what you're trying to do with game design is incentivize the actors in your game to behave in a way that will enable them to have the most fun, I think. This is um, a common thread in, our, in the show, in the Sausage Factory. It's often mm-hmm. asked, here's a facet of your game you clearly have a great passion for. This is mm-hmm. the foundation from which it's built. But if players go off and look at something completely different, you know, it's and they go, wait, this 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 thing here, I don't want to bludgeon over the head, but seriously, it's this thing. They go, mm. yeah, but what about this thing? As I, I say, this as a DM, as for a dungeon master, you know, you create this extraordinary invention, and they get focused on this NPC that you <laughs> made up on the fly, and all of a sudden they want their name and their full backstory, and like. It doesn't matter, but you yeah. know, it, it's that <laughs> look over here. You look, look over, over here. Yeah, but you, yeah. That's, that, that's what inspires you is actually to to create these things that then you you offer up to the people, to people mm. to experience. Is that is that the thing you anchored, Randy? Is that yeah, that? I think so. I think also just the uh, an emotional experience, a key emotional experience. I think for Hell Let Loose, I mean, obviously there's different emotional experiences for different players, usually depending on how experienced you are at the game. Um, Hell at Loose, we're aware, is an extremely brutal and a brutal game. And the problem is it's an extremely broad game. Um, so you can really hop into the game. And once you kind of get a sense of one part of it, you sort of tend to creep out and try different things. Um, unlike, I guess, you know, uh, a single player game that um, obscures different experiences from you um, and then kind of slowly peels this this back. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally with Hell at Loose, I think the, the thing that we tried to do and the thing that gives us most excitement is seeing players um, feel that self-control sort of within the chaos. You, 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 we watch players go from this kind of um, shaking mess in a shell hole, getting killed endlessly from places that they can't see, um, to eventually reading the tempo of the battle really easily and kind of commanding it and knowing that they are commanding the battlefield um, in a way that they have, you know, they've mastered this themselves. This isn't something that we've given them a hand to do. Um, and then the conversations they start to have become wildly different to what the conversations they had right at the start were. Um, so at the start, you're normally concerned about, like, let me just try and survive, self-preservation. And then all the way through, we kind of take you through, we, we kind of feel organically 
this journey where your first priority is how can I survive? How can I see the enemy all the way through to we need to get this up here. We need to get that up there. We need to make sure resources are coming in because we need to make sure the commander can bring this particular vehicle to the battlefield for our armored crews to use against the thing, the threat we're currently facing. And so yeah, yeah, I think with yeah. Hell Let Loose, that's the, that's the key aspect is this almost trajectory for each player. And um, um, feeding through that, your influence is really about delivering that message like look the whole the whole battles are fought um they are fought as a team of people believe it or not mm. you do you mm. do get these lone soldiers and snipers and that's what they do you have a couple with snipers you have the spotter and the sniper that's yeah. how that worked but traditionally they are quite rare and they're actually still part of this machine the system in order to succeed but it's really about delivering that experience and making sure the that core is not diluted and also advertised, but not to the point where you're bludgeoning people over the head with it. That's right. That's right. It's, and it's a very tricky balance. And I don't, it you is, know, yeah. look, I'll be the first to say I don't think it's a balance we've got right just yet. I mean, no, no. it might be the white whale that we forever chase. Um, <laughs> but um, seriously, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that perfect mixture between accessibility um, yeah. and then complexity for our veterans is, is always the, the line, basically. But yeah. Next question, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Um, it can be a person, a company, yeah, more than one. That, <laughs> yeah, I think that there is... Um, I, I think, obviously, you know, I'll give a real pol a, a politician's answer and say um, it depends on what aspect we're looking at, I think. Um, okay. I think for me... Um, there are particular games. I mean, every developer has their hits and their misses, or they might only ever have one game. I think that there's lots of that. There are many, many different games that have kind of made me sit up and look at the art form and say, mm, "This is pretty. This is pretty special." Um, in recent memory, I thought, you know, um, uh, Disco Elysium was a, a pretty special game. Um, you know, it might be surprising to hear that someone who makes hardcore FPSs likes Disco Elysium, but I, f I felt that what that did was quite special with regards to the way that it uh, addressed different RPG mechanics and reframed them through psychology and and a whole the whole way that it worked with an antihero. Um, I think that um, Boris Love's love of some composition for Baldur's Gate and Divinity Original Sin Two. Um, it is is incredible. It's unbelievable. I think you know. Uh, it, it depends. I think on the dis on the discipline um, right. of the developer, um, yeah. as in the discipline, as in almost the department. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I think they're amazing. There's a reason why From Software's kind of Souls games have captured people. Um, somehow managing to make a world feel attractive and welcoming and warm to exist in while also being the exact opposite within that <laughs> yeah. game yeah. like the most punishing game humanly possible yeah but yet i i want to explore the world of secure i want to explore the world of dark souls it's you know despite um, itself because every step is like am i going to die yeah Conf probably yes, oh. yes probably yeah <laughs> Yeah. How many times an hour am I going to die? Yeah, exactly. And yet I'm like, oh, I'd like to go back in there. Yeah, yeah. For that extremely punishing controller throwing experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that if you look at um, uh, Dean Hall, who, um, you know, sort of famously um, uh, developed DayZ, mm -hmm. um, the yeah. mod. I mean, I think you could almost argue that we've had 10, almost what would it be, nine years of games that, that, are, that, that were all Daisy um, uh, progeny. You know, they're all just, yeah, yeah. they all t take something from that experience, that, that, that experience of let's not hold the player's hand. I mean, you look at um, uh, Brendan's work on um, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Yeah. Um, there are these inflection points all the way along, um, yeah. and I think, like you know, like we've spoken about, the video game um, art form is so varied, so diverse, so interesting um, that you can really find incredible things. I mean, it, 
we're living in a in a pretty golden age and you know you just wonder if that will continue even something like cyberpunk the world building in cyberpunk someone who knows how long it takes to make anything let alone to rationalize it with you in your own t- entire world yeah um technical issues with notwithstanding that is that game is uh, it's just it's 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 crazy it's yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Um, so you look. I know that's. I know that's a cheap answer. Um, no, but it's but uh, it, it, it's a valid one. There's nothing wrong to say that. It's mm-hmm. like to narrow it down to one person. You could argue is a bit unfair. However, mm-hmm. the premise of it is to lead from the influence and say, well, these people are doing similar something to you, or indeed are doing something totally different, but doing it very well. And yeah. you're encouraged by that and go, you there, you carry on doing the things you're doing, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's also a valid response. But there's no right or right right or wrong answers mm-hmm. to these questions. I- I think with regard to sort of Hell Let Loose, I suppose, the, the key influences on Hell Let Loose, I think, undoubtedly, was Project Reality. And, and I'm the most boring person in the world <laughs> because that's kind of always the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, like DayZ, Project Reality, uh, you know, was um, a game that really showed the visceral and attractive power of actually – um, being the weaker element within a power dynamic in a first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normally in first-person shooters, if you have said you're Captain America and you're taking out, you, you're always a secret agent. You're always exceptional. You you can manipulate time. You're murdering everyone. Yeah. Um, Project Reality was really like uh, if you see a tank, hide because the tank will kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I didn't need to... The normal question you ask in a first-person shooter is, the developers put a tank in front of me. Because I'm here, I'm the star of the show, how do I destroy the tank? Because there has to be a way I can just destroy it. Um, yeah. Within Project Reality, it said, you can't destroy the tank. The tank will kill you because it has thermal optics and it can yeah. see through everything. Yeah. So you have to figure out how to deal with that. Um, and that was very powerful to me to show that mm. actually um, there is something appealing about almost being afraid within a game in the yeah. same way that we're afraid in horror games in the same way that we're afraid in survival games. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. Project Reality, which was a, a Battlefield 2 mod um, from which we drew a lot of inspiration from our game design, at least a lot of the core fundamental pillars, that that was um, a quite a special title, I think, for, for myself and for a lot of people um, who follow our types of sort of hardcore genre. Definitely, we're definitely going to go back to that in part two of the mm. show, the mm. part, part you mentioned about the atmosphere. I don't want to spoil too much of the second mm. half of the show, but if there's going to be there's going to be some questions about that. But mm. and also, there's other video games that have basically embraced the fact that yes, you are Captain America, like the latest Doom games, mm. and it turned Doom the Doom guy into this monster. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, he's ridiculous. He is he is utterly ridiculous, isn't mm. he? Mm. And they've made a joke out of it. That's that's fine too. So you can do all yes. different, different ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Speaking of video games, what are you playing right now? Oh, what am I playing right now? I always try and play almost everything kind of in Steam, at least if it's only for an hour, then it's only for right. an hour, just because I always want to stay fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, I played... Um, I've actually been looking at deck-building games, and I've played Griftlands and Trials of Fire, recently and oh, i've played... been on the show so yeah oh uh, uh, yes fantastic yes. that's i think i actually was what listening to one of your episodes yeah, and yeah. that and it lodged in my head um and then uh hunt showdown i think is a, a fantastic yeah. fantastic yeah. title um and then i think i also played not too long ago sekiro was what i was playing nice. um nice. yeah so i kind of i try and play every genre yeah. Um, whenever there's a game I see on Steam that has that's you know well reviewed and is selling really well, and it just looks like the most terrible thing ever, like uh, that I just would never find that fun. Yeah. I will always buy it um, because I find it so interesting to kind of figure out what other people are seeing in it. We do uh, live in extraordinary times. You see that you know people say, "Oh, I've got my pile of shame in Steam." So it's not a pile of shame. Great thing ever. No. It's yeah, just, you know, exactly. someone told you 20 years ago you have this library that's almost unfathomable to the point where I was talking to a friend about it and they said, yeah, I've, I was looking at my like my list of stuff and I got to D. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I really need yeah. to, you know, it's like, 
Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. I don't. I gave up getting wound up about it. You know, I do know yeah. many colleagues at Cana Rinse actually have a a a log, a backlog, an actual phys, you know one they've written out and a spreadsheet going we'll play. You know, I do not do that. I just, mm. I just that would be ridiculous. That would be. I spend more time on that on that than actually playing the games themselves. So, That's but uh, yeah, I so think, much uh, comes out that you yes. could. You know, yes. I could. It's impossible. You just really have to pick. You just have to pick. I think you know what you would consider to be the exceptional games and yeah. air quotes of their type. Um, yeah. yeah. I think for me, it's about the the different genres and trying to see what sort of the best in show of different genres have done. Um, I think that really gives me a buzz to kind of uh, kind of crack it, figure out where the fun is in each mm. game. Uh, yeah. I find that really interesting. Um, and then obviously, I have sort of staples that I'll go back to. Um, time and time again um which tend to be like you know the key game in any in any genre um, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's sort of how i work but yeah cool well yeah. that's the end of the first half you made it cool fantastic well done. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and now we're approaching the the the, the combat zone <laughs> hey uh, although they didn't call it back then i'm fully aware of that terminology changed dramatically during a Vietnam War. That's, that's a, a whole yeah. separate sub subject. That's a whole... That's a, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Spend an it hour did. on that easily. The, yeah. whole, the whole danger close stuff, that's mm. all Vietnam. Uh, I think. I think. Oh, it's not, is it? They, well, it depends which force It might be the Six-Day War, I can't well. remember. I get confused. Uh, yeah. uh, but epochs of combat. Mm. Anyway, the point being, let's move on to the second half where we go deep into Hell Let Loose. So, you've already had a pretty good go at this, Max, but I'm going to give you your, your, your chance now to describe for us what do you believe is Hell Let Loose? Um, I think kind of the core of Hell Let Loose is this feeling of being a small part of a much larger machine um, and then and this sort of paradox of feeling like you're... Um, your actions have consequence um, while also needing your teammates and your friends and the people around you to, to work with you in order to achieve a greater objective. Um, I think also the core of Hell at Loose is um, experientially this feeling of um, so much going on around you, knowing so many things around you can kill you instantly, and yet somehow surviving and and living despite artillery exploding next to your trench as a grenade goes off down the trench as you can hear the crack and whiz of bullets flying overhead. Um, and yet within all of that, you sort of persist and you survive and you can end up flourishing. You can end up um, taking an enemy position or um, breaking through their lines or things like that. So um, I think it's I think I feel like the core experience, um, if you're on the ground playing the game of those of those two kind of those two um, paradoxes that, that end up making you feel heroic, even though um, 
you may not have even done anything. You may not have even killed anyone, but the fact that you're alive is a victory in itself. Um, and then I think the as you play the game for the veterans with thousands of hours, um, it's more about uh, managing to bring your intelligence to affect um, a victory over the enemy um, through various different reposts and parries, um, kind of the meta perspective of the game, using resources, the commander, um, molding your team of 50 people, almost like a, a, a first-person shooter real-time strategy game. I think that's kind of the experience much further down the line. Yes, yes, yes it is. And uh, my first sort of detailed question is, um, concerning viewing angles, mm. the camera viewing angle is different uh, in Hell Let Loose to other FPS games. It seems to give you a broader, sort of wider angle view in many, mm. in some cases, but it changes depending on what's happening to you. And it's ingenious. I was really taken by this. I know the other games have done it, or at least tried to do it, but I think Hell Let Loose does an exceptional job of creating the actual concept of tunnel vision in a 2D mm. plane, in a 2D screen. It's very impressive. I say this as someone who plays a lot of VR games, but mm. the, the, the tunnel vision that kicks in, especially when you're being suppressed under fire, um, it's, it's just incredible. It just didn't really feel like gonna die but what's it you know it's just like everything kicks off and the, the the your your field of view narrows dramatically and you can't quite see anything apart from a circle in the middle mm. of the screen can you tell us through the design process of this please and how it came about sure yeah i mean this this genre uh, of shooter has always tried to deal with the fact that you know when you're interfacing with a computer you're not feeling you just because we're, we're all humans we're not feeling um, that heart pounding, um, th those heart pounding actual feelings of being under fire like you would in real life. Um, and so as a result, uh, you know, the genre itself tried to figure out a way of, um, effectually limiting the player by assuming that their character in the game would be feeling that. Um, and therefore their character wouldn't be able to return pinpoint, uh, pinpoint accurate fire at, at an enemy. Um, because that character would actually not want to die, um, unlike you who's playing a game and, and know that you can respawn and all the rest of it. Um, and so for us, so I, I need to say up front that I can't take, um, we, we can't take responsibility um, for a kind of suppression mechanic, but we did, you know, we had a huge think about the way that we would do ours within the game. What would that look like? And it is a very, very difficult thing because... Um, re the removal of player agency within a game 99% of the time is, is a, a bad idea. Um, when you're playing a game, almost the worst thing that can happen to you is that you can't interact with it. Um, you can't move, you can't do X, Y, or Z. Um, and so we wanted to keep player agency. We wanted to make it difficult to return fire. And we also wanted to kind of make it aesthetically um, repeatable so that you you know you weren't suffering from headaches from, from playing the game for about an hour um, so we we've, we've gone back and forth on it so much the suppression in the game um, and something really interesting that we've tended to find is um, I mean so for people who don't know essentially when when a bullet lands or flies by you or, or lands near you in hell let loose um, it will generate a kind of a suppression value which will affect your screen. And effectively, it means that if you're a machine gunner, you can spray your weapon close to where an enemy is hiding and it will make it very, very difficult for them to effectively return fire past a certain range. Uh, and the way that we do that is by um, kind of giving you slight double vision. We, we vignette you, pull you in, um, uh, and it essentially makes it easier to focus very, very close up on your screen. Um, but at the same time, we drastically increase your weapon sway as well. So you do have agency. You can return fire if you try, but it's very, you know, it's very difficult to return accurate fire. Um, and then we also do a couple of other things with our sound design, uh, do a low pass filter. We bring in a bit of a heartbeat to emulate that sort of, um, Almost uh, when you're deafened, you, you're aware of the blood pumping through your ears. Um, so a couple of different things there. And, and part of that's realistic and part of that is sort of what's expected. Um, yeah, and we watch, I do get yeah. the feeling that I'm 
when that happens, I'm just basically slap myself against the nearest piece of cover and just going to fetal position, going, "This is not why. No, just, just I didn't deserve this. I didn't sign up for this. No, it's, you know, it's just that's basically what you want. You know, it's just like as soon as that happens, because a you've been spotted, maybe, mm. or b mm-hmm. it's probably just like it's just, just you know spraying and praying and stuff, and that's mm. normally the case. But no, I just wanted to mention that from the outset. That's the first thing that struck me about that. But um, mm. one of my earlier experience of playing the game, and um, I want to talk about the community aspect because Hell Let Loose uh, is from the outset reliance on players actively working with each other. In a similar mm. case to bear with me, uh, MOBAs, for example. Mm. I mean, the mm. basis of MOBAs yeah. is, and I've said this many times on the show before, so you take a drink, everyone. But this is really important to note mm. when it comes to a team game. You are not the centre of the universe. You, again, not Captain America. You are not. Mm. Not everything involves rain. In fact, if you really want to play a mobile well, you have to let go of your self-sense of importance and realise that you're just but one cog, an important, very large one, but still a cog in a very large machine. Yes. And uh, with Hell Let Loose, I think that cog is really small, but still important. Mm. Uh, and there are cogs that are actually driving and um, moving things differently to it, and you're res- responding to those, whether passively or actively. Um, mm. But I just want to ask you the question what components of the game design have you found in making Hell Let Loose found yourselves modifying the most? to make sure that this sense of community, camaraderie, and coming together is maintained? So this is a really... It's a really big question because there are Mm. aspects of the game design that we've had to manipulate, like, I would now say too much. Um, And and essentially aspects that instead of manipulating, again, we should have introduced uh, something different that would let you build upon or modify those initial things. Um, that said, though, those those mechanics tend to be around our spawn point mechanics, which is sort of the bread and butter of our metagame, and not necessarily in keeping people together. Um, I mean, it does in one way, and it doesn't, and it um, and it doesn't in another. Um, in terms of like specifically answering your question about um, in terms of camaraderie, in terms of um, encouraging team play, I think one of the key design principles for us with Hell Let Loose is that. Um, uh, no one person for the job. Um, with with nearly every aspect in the game, um, we wanted to make it so you could achieve something by yourself. Because obviously, if you if there's anything that you need, you have to have um, more than one person for, or more than two people for, or you basically create bottlenecks around the design to take you to victory. You also allow uh, you know enable one or two players to completely ruin the game. Um, so it's, it's been this real balance between, um, enabling players to get a job done by themselves, but encouraging them, um, by making it easier with multiple people. Um, and that's really been a core pillar of our game design all the way through is that there needs to be sacrifices. We try and, uh, per, per player, uh, choice in the role that they take. Um, and uh, in taking one thing, it might work better, and taking another thing, it might work worse, but it, it, it kind of has commensurate effects. So that's a whole bunch of buzzwords. I can explain <laughs> what I mean. I can explain what I mean in, in hard terms with, with examples. So, for instance, yes. um, we will be bringing in um, oh, a good example is we have a, a role called the support role, and yes. um, that support role is sort of like a rifleman. He's He's designed to basically be quite a, quite a low-key combat role, um, definitely not the guy you want to take to, to, to be really doing the hard work in terms of on the front line. Um, but that role also has a supply box, um, and that supply box that they can place down enables um, the officer in the unit, so a different role, um, to then place a garrison, which is a spawn for your whole team. So you really want garrisons down, and to do that, the support role needs to work with the officer role um, in order to um, in order to make that happen. Um, and so the support role has this box of supplies, and the supplies can build spawn points like the garrison. They can also build bunkers, and they can build anti-tank guns, and they can build a whole bunch of other stuff. But you need more supplies, and so. 
Um, a good example in Hell at Loose is that you can actually drive trucks and supply trucks have, I think, three or four times the amount of supplies that just the support role can carry. Um, and so in this way, there's value to driving trucks to deliver large amounts of um, supplies to the front line to enable different people to build different, like, larger, larger things, the fortifications and things like that. Um, but then at the same time, the support role also, he, he's not redundant. Um, that role's not redundant because um, they're able to drop their smaller supply box to um, enable the officer, uh, it's a different role, like I said, um, to drop a spawn point. So with every single thing we try and do, um, we're trying to give people specific tasks for specific areas while keeping it within it within a hierarchy of, of functions within the within the game within the team. Um, it's really difficult to do because we have 14 different roles. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, at any one point in Hell Let Loose, if one thing is not working or is buggy or whatever, it affects all 99 other people in the server, in the game. Um, that, that by far easily is the largest technical and design challenge for us when, when making the game is that um, we can never introduce one feature and not think much about it. Um, the knock-on effects are usually outside of our wildest dreams. But, but that's... That's the way we try and think about every single thing um, within the game is who is this guy going to work with? Who is this? What is what is this tool going to be used with? Um, and the support role can't build anything himself, but what he has is critical to the team. So um, that tends to be how nearly everything happens. The officer can lay down spawn points, but... Uh, it's not. It, it doesn't do much if it's just him spawning on it. Uh, he yeah, needs a yeah. he needs a unit to spawn on it. Um, yeah. The machine gunner can lay down amazing suppressing fire and you know really yeah. lock down a field of fire, but he'll need ammunition from the rifleman in order to sustain that. Yeah, and also cover from other players because they're in a stationary position and they are they're basically mm. pointed. I mean, one of the things you want to do is is this um, dismantle a. A machine gun position because they are a pain in the <laughs> like <laughs> take it out just I don't care just take it oh the conversations well I say exactly, conversations exactly. So it's like I, you've got one job I wish yeah. I wish I had one <laughs> job you know but that's a common phrase as well it's jokingly said you had one job you know that's not true I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Even more so when uh, when almost every role has four. Yeah. For different yeah. things they can potentially do. Yeah, exactly. So in Hill Let Loose, there is a huge focus on realism. We've spoken about this both in the virtual green room and a little bit on the show. And mm. that um, I think one thing that shocked me how real it was um, was um, the map screen. Because <laughs> you click on the map screen, you expect to see this rather abstract, very large and bold map that doesn't really bear any resemblance to real maps that were mm. used at the time you've gone with no this is this is how their maps look like there are these little scrawling bits of and it reminded me of a scene very early scene in band of brothers where they're scattered all across northern france mm. the paratroopers and uh they don't know where they are and one officer was like you know i know this is a scene but he really knows how to read that map in the middle of the night, and he's going, I know we're here, we're off-grid by two grids, we're meant to be here, why are you with company B, why are you here, you should be over here, and it's a fabulous scene, and it just mm. reminded me, when I saw that, it immediately reminded me of that scene with that officer telling, basically bringing everyone together and going, I know exactly where I am, and it's just really great that you've actually, rather than created this abstract thing, you said, no, this is how, if they could have maps that had real-time movements, would be amazing mm. for them. They didn't. <laughs> you, know, you know, that would change everything. But the fact is you, 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 you skate the between realism and that. And there's also mm. the issue of um, the weapons firing huge range. And, if you, mm. and also the, the, the artillery does actually do something. It doesn't, you know. And then again, you could argue many games... Uh, of history, uh, you know, of the past, like sort of Call of Duties and stuff, they did actually have artillery that could actually wipe out teams and stuff, uh, but not to the same effect. So, mm. what have you had to compromise in terms of realism uh, to to ensure the experience of playing Hell Let Loose is still engaging? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that realism is a tough topic because if you were to play a totally realistic, you know, World War II game, I mean, you would probably see action in one or two battles, um, and you may not even fire your enemy at the, you may not even discharge your weapon at the enemy. I think something like uh, something ridiculous, like two or three percent of the total frontline forces within within the armies of the day actually discharge their weapon in anger um, at, at a human target. So, you know, what a realistic battle is, is always shades off um, what people's idea of realism is. Um, in Hell Let Loose, uh, some of the key, I think some of the key areas where we've um, uh, kind of compromised on the history was in offering a relatively balanced gameplay experience between two forces that in real life in the historical conflict, you know, one of them basically didn't have a chance of winning whatsoever. Uh, mostly the Germans. Um, yeah. And you know, had, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and the Italians, although they yeah. just the thrashed us at the Euro. Well, not thrashed us, but no, that's not. Why did you bring that up? They just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We'll move on. We'll they move deservedly on. won that game. Yeah, Come on. They were sure. way better. Sure, but, uh, sure. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, but Euros aside, yes. I mean, yeah. the, the, the story of World War Two is is much less even than we think from battle to battle. I mean, in the early days of the war, Germany, you know, really, you know, if you were to do a, a realistic uh, Ardennes assault of Germany versus France in the early days of the war, I mean, France would, it, it's impossible. Um, so it, for us, uh, a good game is ideally asymmetrical in so much as people have different numbers of things and different powers of things, but, but balanced. So the yeah, idea yeah. being that, you know, you take all the numbers, you carve them up, and they roughly equal the same amount on both sides, but but the roster looks different. So for us, some of the key places is that we've got vehicles that weren't at particular battles um, able to be spawned in um, because it's part of our commander's suite of abilities that they can kind of reinforce yep. their team yep. um, with different vehicles. Um, and the same goes for weapons. I mean, by the end of our development of Hell Let Loose, we'll have a very, very diverse array of weapons, uh, a diverse array of weapons. Um, and that is simply because we want to kind of represent these in some way on the battlefield. Um, and it, it was a decision with regard to game design to give some players agency about what type of loadout and play style um, they might like to use, whereas um, historically you would lock a far narrower range um, per map. Um, and so in the spirit of trying to create a game that, that felt competitive, that felt like two evenly matched sides doing battle um, with different um, wildcard factors within the IE, a commander might choose to use one ability over another um, or a player might choose to use one loadout over another. Um, we opted for, for a slightly greater range of freedom at the sacrifice of you know the absolute historical record. Um, yeah. That, you, I think you... that's a big area. Absolutely. This is why I wanted to cover it because mm. you're going to get those people like, I'm not sure when it's set. Is it 43 or 44? It's difficult to know. It's what, kind of, um, yeah, yeah, a bit of, I mean, look, by the end of the, by the end of, I think, our development, it'll be a spectrum, yeah. maybe even from 39 all the way through to 45. 45 so exactly yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a broad spectrum over the And a lot happened in those six years is oh. shocking, shocking. Oh. Um, but, uh, and it then eventually led to the, the, uh, Korean war and that kind of stuff. But that's a whole mm. separate subject for outside mm. this, this mm. podcast. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's, I just want to sort of like address that because Yes, we're, it's realistic, but come on, there has to be some conceits here. And that's not a problem. Mm. We just need to embrace them and advertise them and go, okay, that's fine, as long as the experience is still maintained. You don't dilute it. You don't yes. sort of take it away. Yes. And that's that's the tricky balance I wanted to talk about because every developer of this kind of game suffers from that. Mm. So It's definitely, I, let me just quickly jump in and say, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely um, one of the biggest sticking points of our community. For some people... Um, We've done a good job. For some people, we've done the worst job ever. Um, <laughs> it, it's never, you know, like everything with Hell Let Loose, this is a long, long development journey. Um, yeah. Things that people hate right now will probably be modified, and then other people hate other things we do. Uh, it's the nature of having, you know, it's, the, it's wonderful and it's painful of having a, a very passionate community, but you're, you're exactly right. I want to talk about sound design now, my last mm. question. Mm. I know. 
we all got to stop eventually. We could go on for hours. You know that. Oh, you? definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're, uh, you're, you're trapped in here with me. I'm not trapped in there with you. <laughs> <laughs> Directional sound design is used mm. heavily in mm. Let Loose. Of course it is. The nature of the game requires it. Mm. I mean, what struck me is when I first heard the bullets whizzing over my head as I was approaching mm. just an area. And then uh, gunfire hit and... Uh, uh, alerting to player to nearby engagements being played out by others going oh, maybe I should go there depending on what they're doing if they're assault or if they're support or what have you they're being mm. directed and doing something but um, what have you done in the aspects of both visual and sound but principally sound design to ensure that there's not a sensory overload on the part of the player yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and I need to give full credit here to, to um, our wonderful sound uh, designer, engineer, Adam, um, who's thought deeply about this topic. Um, and again, it's one of those things where that really shows um, the, diff, the, you know, it comes back to that pinch point of developing Hell Let Loose, where he, you know, we can introduce one sound into the game. And depending on how many players are using that weapon or whatever's going on, you know, it can completely tilt the soundscape uh, in a huge way that we hadn't accounted for. Um, And so when it comes to the design, um, there are different things um, that we're doing. Um, uh, I know that Adam's prioritizing sounds differently um, and at different ranges, uh, obviously trying to present you, the player, with as much uh, relative, uh, relevant information as humanly possible without just absolutely saturating you with everything on sort of, um, you know, max levels, if you like. Um, so there's been a, a massive amount of work done with um, sound priority ordering, um, with um, creating, um, pushing sounds that are important, so artillery landing, but it may, might be landing a couple of hundred meters away, and so pushing them into the background um, and, and changing the way that they sound, uh, as you'll you'll probably know from being in the game, you know, the, the, the distant rifle sounds, the distant gun sounds, the distant artillery sounds still have a weighty impact, um, but they're much more sustainable to listen to over time. So really, we're trying to keep a, a narrow soundscape um, in close proximity to you, which can still become very saturated just by virtue of the fact that you could have up to 100 players in a small area all doing their own thing. Um, but, um, I, you know, I really have to commend Adam on the job he's done in, in really designing the soundscape so that it does feel manageable. Um, and again, feel... it feeds into the previous question about conceit and that, that in reality, mm-hmm. it would be a cacophony of sound that is just like, you can't really can't hear what's going oh, on. Oh, not at all. <laughs> like you wouldn't, you, I mean, even the truck engines, you wouldn't yeah. be able to hear yeah. conversation yeah. over, let alone yeah. anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Hell Let Loose was developed by uh, Black Matter. Great, great name. Where's Thanks. it come from? It was, um, a combination, a bit of a portmanteau of um, uh, dark matter and black magic. Aha, yes. Um, neither of which were available, and so we thought, <laughs> well, let's just let's just smash the two together. And like all these things, you know, we wanted to get the company established um, pretty quickly yeah. um, because things were moving at a rapid pace, uh, yeah. which is basically the story of Hell Let Loose. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, Black, black Matter, it, it became. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just kind of... No, no. That's been us, yeah. It's good. It's, it almost invokes the same kind of sense of uh, in the midst of uh, the height of battle. You do mm. think that, you know, it's this, this, this... It feels like this is amorphous blob of terrible pain in the middle of it all and that's that's how i project that i know it's not but it just sometimes you just think i'm not going to survive this and when you do like you say this feeling of euphoria mm. even if you may not have killed or done anything you think is is productive in terms of right you did by merely virtue of the fact that you survived mm. is, is 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 reward enough yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. So yes, uh, Hell Let is also published by good friends Team Seventeen. It is, it is, and uh, and is out now on. Could you tell us what the platforms are? Sure, it, we're on Steam <laughs> at the moment. We're on Steam yes. at the moment, and we will be coming to um, next generation consoles later this year uh, on an undisclosed date. Um, but that's very exciting for us. This is you know just to to spruik ourselves quickly. This is the first game. 
uh, of its kind, kind of hardcore, yep. teamwork-oriented, um, to really land on consoles, except, I think, from Oper- Operation Flashpoint Dragon Rising back in, back in 2008. So we're excited about that. We're excited to see mm. what console players think. And uh, we are launching out of early access on Steam on the 27th of July. Uh, so Indeed. That's, exciting. Very and, excited um, about that. Yeah, and uh, just to be clear, it's Windows PC? Windows PC, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that's all right. The nature of the game uh, limits us to, to Windows and operating system, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's something I have to you know, advertise because as a, a MacBook owner. Mm. You know, <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I get it. I've got a couple of MacBooks myself. And, uh, they, they can take a bullet and still go, and there's, there's a relevance. You know, they just keep can. going. Well, when they die, my friend, oh, they don't mess around. They're, They're just done. like, I'm They're done, gone. Yeah. Oh, spinny orange thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. done. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Max, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. I do wish you the very, very best of luck with Hell Let Loose. It's an extraordinary experience in game. Oh, thank you. Um, I mean, if you want a comparison, if you played Verdun, it's a little bit, little. Bit I love. I that. I've got Verdun. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Um, but it's a very, very different theatre yeah. of war. Of course, First World mm. War was. Yeah, if you read, listen to Dan Colling's uh, uh, history of First World War, you'd know why that never should have happened. Yes. But, uh, yes. Anyway, that's that's a whole whole other discussion. But uh, you're more than welcome to come back. We do have return guests. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to. And uh, but until then, thanks very much. Cool. Thank you. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Canaan Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website caneandrinse.com. Sit down, get you a